You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man, as a two-time felon, I work really hard and I've been a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Freedom Pact podcast. Today on the show, we are joined by Dr. Jack Wolfson. Jack is a board-certified cardiologist with more than 17 years of practice under his belt. Jack is now recognized as one of the leading voices into holistic health, natural and preventative heart health care. Having been featured on CNN, Fox, NBC countless times, as well as being a best-selling author of the smash hit book, The Paleo Cardiologist, Jack has made it his life's mission to promote an overall approach to wellness. As well as being an in-demand keynote speaker, Jack has been awarded the Top Holistic MD Award in Phoenix for five out of the last six years, which is just insane to think about. Jack is certainly not a man who is afraid to speak and voice his mind. I promise you guys, stay tuned for that. His often hard-hitting opinions have seen him receive death threats, complaints to his medical board. He was banned off social platforms like Pinterest. However, Jack feels so, so strongly about this evolutionary approach to living and speaking his mind about things which he truly believes in, that he says he's never felt more empowered to speak his truth. And I have to say there's, there's something inspiring in that. In this episode, my word, we cover so, so much. We cover Jack's philosophy of the caveman approach to holistic living. We delve into sleep, exercise, how modern society is just so damn detrimental to mental health. Why Jack goes to sleep at 7.30pm. How modern society is causing erectile dysfunction in young men. And Jack shares his thoughts on naturally reversing heart disease. I highly, highly, highly recommend you listen to the full thing. Dr. Jack Wolfson, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Thank you so much. Appreciate being here and look forward to sharing uh, a lot of good information with your audience. So let's kick this podcast off. So could you just break down this caveman approach to living, if you will? <clears throat> Yeah, most certainly. You know, listen, uh, you know, as a cardiologist, we never get any formal training in nutrition. So as I started to become interested in how we can live a very long and a very healthy life, of course, the nutrition debate really comes in first and foremost. And the idea of eating like the caveman uh, comes from a lot of different authors, a lot of different sources but it really comes down to common sense. What did our ancestors eat for hundreds of thousands of years before the agricultural revolution, if you will? And so up until a time period of 10,000 years ago, that was called the Paleolithic era or the Stone Age era. And people, again, they were hunter gatherers. In fact, the vast majority of the people on planet Earth were hunter-gatherers, you know, up until, uh, you know, 100 years ago. I mean, this is what how people got their food. And we want to try and bring that back as a healthy way, but try and bring it back to the 21st century. And then, you know, finally, uh, and we'll talk obviously as much as you want about the nuances of eating like the caveman or what is the paleo diet, but... 
there's a lot of debate, but there really doesn't need to be. Like a lion or a tiger or a giraffe or a gazelle, we don't have to tell them what to eat. We don't have to tell a gorilla what to eat. It's only the human that sits there and debates. Should we eat this or should we eat this or should we eat this? Um, there's so many different opinions with, with so many different outside influencers of those opinions. If we just, again, take it back and say, how did we as humans eat over a course of hundreds of thousands of years? Then we bring it back to the common sense. And that is where in my cardiology practice, I've seen the best results. That's really interesting, Jack. Let me dig deeper into your philosophies regarding this. So let's imagine that I, Joseph Newton, went to Tesco's or Walmart with my ancestors from 20,000 years ago. By your approach, would this be a case of finding foods in which my caveman relatives recognized and then specifically sticking to those? I think that's pretty much the most simple way is that if, if you are walking around your grocery store and you envision yourself and say, would a cave person recognize this food? They would recognize the meat, they would recognize the seafood, they would recognize the eggs, they would recognize the nuts and seeds, they would recognize, of course, the vegetables, and maybe the fruit, but the fruit these days has been so sub-selected out. So that is really the foundation of what I would say is our paleo pyramid or caveman period. And I use these terms interchangeably and, and synonymously because I think they truly are. And uh, that is how we should live. So I'm not saying grab your bow and arrow, grab your rifle, go out and hunt. Although I think that there is a lot of value to doing that. It's not for everybody. <laughs> but I think once again, if we return to those foods, we will get health. So what is not there? Well, obviously a caveman wouldn't recognize anything in a box. He wouldn't recognize wheat flakes. He wouldn't recognize, uh, you know, uh, fruity pebbles or, or you know, ch uh, cheap cereals. He wouldn't recognize ice cream. He wouldn't recognize, um, uh, again, all these different commercialized products that we have on all the center aisles of the store. He wouldn't recognize those and he wouldn't uh, therefore eat them. So, you know, once again, I think it comes back to just to the common sense. And again, I know there's so much debate. I've had those debates out there, but you just, you know, you know, the sky is blue. Uh, the earth is round. Uh, even some people would debate those concepts. But the reality is, is that, um, you know, these are things that we should just, you know, let me say one final thing. If somebody, one of these brilliant MIT scientists or Harvard doctors said, I came out with a new book and it's called The Helium Solution, why we should all be breathing helium instead of air and oxygen. You would laugh at that person. So why do we have the same debate amongst nutrition? Today, there's so many different types of meat available. There are quite clearly meats available which are probably more carcinogenic at the lower budget scale. And then I know which you promote meats on the upper end of the scale, things like grass-fed, organic. What would your recommendation be in terms of eating meat? What should we look for? Well, um, the, the answer, like I talk about in my book, The Paleocardiologist, The Natural Way to Heart Health, I talk about if you're going to eat meat, and I suggest that you do, it has to be 100% free-range, grass-fed, grass-finished, healthy animal products. Same thing with pasture-raised chicken uh, or pork. And the good news is, is that there are farmers in the United States that are really getting on board with this. There's farmers around the world. Now in a lot of other countries besides the United States, that is kind of the law of the land. That is the typical thing. If you talk to them about a, a factory farmed cow um, uh, or cattle operation, they wouldn't necessarily know what that means. Like the people of New Zealand have no idea what that means because they don't have that down there. Um, 
you know, where, where cows are in, in, inside all day long, they're in artificial lights, they're given hormones, antibiotics, they're fed unnatural feed that is loaded with pesticides and genetically modified grains. So I'm not talking about that, but I feel so strongly about the meat um, uh, as part of a diet uh, and, and it being heart healthy, that we actually created something called the Carnivore Challenge. It's a seven-day carnivore challenge where the people that join us on this, uh, and the next one is December 2nd, that everybody eats meat, seafood, and eggs. And that is the only foods you will eat for seven days. And people lose weight, blood sugar drops, Everything is just dramatically improved, which ultimately leads to the best of heart health. I understand, Jack, that you've taken some sort of umbrage with the American Food Society's pyramid. You just touched on the pyramid yourself. I know you believe that vegetables should be at the bottom instead of leafy greens. So could you just talk to me about that? Uh, well, no, I mean, as far as vegetables at the bottom, you know, the pyramid, I mean, I think the pyramid can be different for different people at different times, but the food that's on the pyramid that I created is paleolithic food. So if you want you know, depending on the season, maybe summertime is summertime is, you know, for, for more of the vegetables, uh, section. So that could be the leafy greens, that could be broccoli, that could be cabbage, uh, cauliflower, you name it. So that's, that would be the foundation in the summer. So maybe a little less meat, seafood heavy, um, uh, you know, once again, eggs, avocados, coconuts, olives, um, uh, um, uh, and then, and then, you know, fruit in season, uh, you know, nuts and seeds are on that as well. And uh, in the winter time, it may be gravitating more towards some of those heavier foods and some of those stews and stuff like that, that we love to create. And those can be more meat heavy. So meat, seafood and eggs, and then maybe a little bit less on the vegetable side. And again, it's that fruit in season because fruit is so high in sugar. Uh, that's how we do it. But, you know, listen, we can debate about food all day long, but other things that are part of that paleolithic lifestyle or caveman lifestyle are just as important, if not more important than the food. And I think we all get you know, caught up in the debate amongst the food stuff. And a lot of other holistic cardiologists like myself uh, come from different camps regarding the food, but there's other areas that we agree on that are part of that paleo lifestyle that I think we also need to gravitate towards. This analogy of the caveman lifestyle uh i find this completely fascinating it's such a simple and effective mental model to use when i think of the caveman lifestyle just off the top of my head the the parts of it which come to my mind no processed food sleep sex sun exercise let me just ask you which of those things in particular are we getting badly wrong in modern society right now well we're getting all of them wrong is 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 the scary thing it's the unfortunate thing and that's why there's so much sickness around the world you know why why you know in the united states for example someone's having a heart attack every 44 seconds so if you extrapolate that around the world uh it's probably someone's having a heart attack every 10 seconds um you know the the uh the sleep factor again is I believe more important than the sunshine factor. I'm sorry, I apologize, than the food factor. Because before, before, um, before there was food, before there was man on earth, there were life forms that were essentially kind of precursors to bac bacteria that eventually became bacteria. And then things started to kind of grow from there. And then you had sea life and you had, you know, uh, fish and you had amphibians and eventually that crawled onto land. If we, if we take that for, for what it is. And therefore, all of those bacteria, bacteria sleep, fungus sleep. Um, these things have been around because, again, the sun was here first and then the earth and the earth revolving around the sun. So there was night and there was day and there was day and there was night and, and on and on and on. So life on earth evolved in that sleep sun cycle pattern. And the literature is very, very clear on the importance of sleep and we, and and 
as far as people who don't get adequate sleep, they have a higher risk of heart attack, higher risk of stroke, higher risk of cancer, higher, higher risk of dementia, anxiety, depression, uh, mental health uh, disorders, autoimmune disease, and, and they, don't, they don't live as long. So what we try and focus on is getting people to go to sleep. Now, before uh, uh, Edison and Tesla ha harnessed the power of energy and to create light and light bulbs in the late 1800s, all of mankind went to sleep with the sun down like the animals do. And now people go to sleep at 11 o'clock at night, you know, midnight, 1, 1 a.m. You know, the average time in the United States someone goes to sleep is midnight, and I'm sure in the UK it's no different. And that is so detrimental to health on so many different levels that part of my job and part of my explanation and blog posts and videos that I create are all geared towards teaching people to go to sleep at the right time. Something I think that a lot of people forget is that midnight actually means middle of the night, <laughs> which is something that I think people, you know, they, they hear midnight now and they think, oh, that's a nice early night. What would you advise in terms of the sleep? What, what would you advise a good process to follow uh, would be for that? Well, whatever time you're going to bed, you got to do it earlier. That's all there is to it. So if it is midnight, make it 11 p.m. Um, but, you know, my job is to get people the best health advice and try and give them strategies on how to do it. But it's up to the individual to make that change or not. And frankly, society is against you. You know, kids have, uh, you know, kids have sports practice that goes until uh, 8 p.m. Or uh, unfortunately, they're given loads of homework, you know, that keeps them awake or, uh, you know, different activities again. And uh, so society is against you on this. But in our household, we went to sleep last night, my friend, at 7.30 p.m. We were sleeping wow. at 7.30 p.m. So you're exactly right. Midnight is exactly in the middle of the night. I personally was up at around four. Uh, the rest of the family woke up after six. And that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't make the rules. Mother Nature does. And again, any amount of time that you are awake and it is dark out, you are now in the artificial light. And when you are in the artificial light, meaning uh, LEDs, fluorescent uh, bulbs, you're watching TV, you're on your mobile device, you're on your, on your, you know, it's, it's a death sentence. It's a death sentence, uh, you know, quite, quite simply. It is destroying our brains and it is for sure destroying the brains of the children. Uh, so we've got a pretty strict no tech policy in our house. Our children are allowed to watch movies, you know, with us on the weekends. Otherwise, that's it. If we keep linking this back to your cavemen analogy, I feel as if the changes which the world has made now is that it's increasingly coming away from these natural roots which it has. So there's so much artificial items now. How do you think that these man-made items, like let's look at in particular, say mobile phones, laptops, checking emails at two in the morning, all these crazy things, how are they directly affecting modern health? Well, they're directly defect, you know, affecting them negatively on, on so many different levels. And, and this is well researched. This is well written in the literature, again, about the damage of what tech can do to a young brain, to what it does to an older brain. And I think, unfortunately, is that there's really, uh, you know, we are the experiment. Uh, we're going to find out what happens, hopefully, if we're around 20 years from now, 50 years from now. What were the ramifications of these kind of behaviors? But the problem is, is that all this technology is so new uh, that, you know, we're only kind of scratching the surface on, on the damage that's being done. But, uh, you know, it, it just I can I can go into it to a totally scientific level. Or, again, you can just take it for the common sense of what it is that our ancestors used to go to sleep with the sundown and we would awake before the sunrise we would watch the sunrise and then we would spend the day in and out of the sun. So the idea is that we need to return to that type of behavior. And again, just as we said that sleep 
is just as important, if not more important than the food. Sunshine is just is is important as the you know, or more important than the food as well. And again, the sun was here before all of us. We and all life on Earth evolved in the sunshine. Therefore, sunshine is healthy. What are you advising, say, your children, or even personally, what are you using in terms of the your phones? Are you using like blue blocker glasses? Are you cutting screen time out? What What is your policy for these things? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, our children do not use mobile um, uh, phones, and they don't use mobile devices. So that's so that's that's how we do it. That's how we do it. Um, I I would like to think that everybody around the world would do it. Um, but everybody's got their own things that they're, that they're dealing with. But I can only tell you that for the health of the child, it is best to get them off devices. And there is plenty of science that backs that up in addition to the school of common sense. Now, me personally, Jack Wolfson, um, I think that blue blocker, if you are awake at night, and you are on tech, I think using blue uh, light filters on your device uh, is important. I think if you're watching television, that I would also use some kind of, like you said, a blue blocker lens, because the the when you go out into the sun, you get the whole rainbow of spectrum of light. So as much energy is coming through that we see as reds and greens and yellows and blues. Technology devices, for whatever reason, were built to get a very high level of blue wavelength. And that blue wavelength is a very short wavelength. It penetrates into the brain very easily, into deep areas of the brain in a high level amount. And ultimately, through the back of the eye called the retina, into the suprachiasmatic nucleus and the paraventricular nucleus in the middle of the brain, cycles up and down the cervical spine, through the superior chain ganglia, up to the pineal gland, to destroy the hormone melatonin. And melatonin is the master hormone that guides all the other hormones in the body. So children using devices is really, really problematic. I don't necessarily have to use much in the way personally of blue blockers because I don't spend that much, I don't spend time really on tech. The only time I wear the blue blockers is when I'm traveling and I'm awake late or something you know, interrupts my pattern. But uh, I do have a blue filter on my, on my laptop and on my cell phone. So I do use those strategies as well, even during the day. One of the guys that we interviewed, I saw a couple of weeks back, he asked them, which I know is quite a young audience because he's a speaker and he speaks at a lot of different schools, and he asked people to send in their screen times for their iPhones. And some of them were six hours a day, some of them were eight, some of them were ten. So I saw one that was 11 hours. If you were to look into the future what do you think that the adverse effects say in could be five years could be 20 years in 30 years what do you think that this will be like later on well the the standard of any medical study is where you have something called a a randomized double blind placebo controlled trial where you have you know you're able to take two groups that are kind of equal in the beginning, and then do some kind of um, uh, uh, therapy or treatment to one of the groups and see how they do over time versus the group who didn't get that treatment. And we're never gonna be able to know that about technology. The best data we're gonna have will be, uh, you know, right now there's, there's good animal data, there's some human data, but it's probably gonna be again, 10, 15 years down the road where somebody looks at, for example, a group of children that you know were the ages of 10 to 16 and judge health outcomes versus the amount of tech exposure that they had. So what, you know, so which group had the highest risk of cancer? Was it the group who had uh, you know, zero to one hours of tech per day, one to five hours of tech per day, or greater than five hours per day? 
And there we will see the data that comes out that'll show that the more tech people had more cancer. But even then, there could be other confounding factors because, again, well, you know, if the person was on more tech, that means they were less likely to get exercise. They were less likely to get sunshine. They got, you know, poor quality sleep. So was it the tech? Was it the other factors? We really, we really don't know. But again, uh, there is some basic science that certainly tells us about all of the negative effects of blue light on what it does, again, for brain function, for nitric oxide production, for increasing free radical production, um, uh, on, on what it does, obviously, to other factors and how it influences sleep, how it influences learning patterns, uh, memory. We're learning this a lot from, you know, really from children. And there was a really good book, uh, and, and this has been popularized by, by Matthew Walker, PhD, uh, called Why We Sleep. And he's been on the rounds and all the talk shows over the last year. And um, he has data from his uh, laboratory research, and then he pulls in all the, all the other data. But it's just, it's just common sense. It's just common sense. For millions of years, we went to sleep with the sundown, and we didn't have tech. And then finally, these, um, uh, these, these uh, you know, virtual reality uh, you know, games and goggles where kids are walking around with helmets on, and now the screen is just right into their face. Um, this is going to lead to horrific, horrific health problems. I think that I would be pretty accurate in saying that mental health in particular has taken a huge toll in recent times. People are, as you mentioned, people are spending an enormous time in front of screens Nobody seems to know their neighbors' names anymore. Relationships in this day and age, they're more disposable than ever. Do you think that it's this modern lifestyle which is just not conducive to an apt mental health? Yeah, most certainly. Um, uh, it's it just uh, there's there's so much stress. Uh, there's There's stress that starts off before you get pregnant, there's stress in the womb, there's stress on babies, and then they become, then they get plugged into uh, into the the uh, educational matrix, if you will, and and just being drilled with uh, uh, information, so much of it useless, uh, all all conditioning the brain of the child to be. Uh, you know, be obedient, be subservient, you know, subservient to the the system, to the state, to the educational process, to the religious uh, uh, entities that are out there. Uh, so the indoctrination begins so, so early on, which ultimately leads to stress and mental health issues. Um, you've got the fact that uh, so many people, of course, they, they watch the news and the news is all about selling products. They're not trying to keep us informed. They're not trying to educate us. They're trying to sell us. Pro they're trying to keep us entertained till they can sell us the products. And in doing so, the, the fear that is instilled to keep us tuned in, the fear of the next bombing, the fear of some uh, radical group, the fear of health issues, the fear, you know, cancer, heart disease, you know, fear, 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 the fear of crime, the fear of everything is what the news is about. And the fear, of course, makes us sick because fear means we can't sleep. Fear means we are stressed out and our cortisol levels spike. Our fear makes our blood pressure go high. Fear leads to very bad outcomes. And then wouldn't you know it, the news media and, and the commercials have something to sell us to take care of all this mental health issues that they've generated. So the answer is to unplug from the system and not watch, uh, not watch all the garbage, not watch the tabloids and focus on living a healthy life. I wonder if you have any opinions on this. And I'm not sure if you'll ever have been asked this before. But I recently read a fascinating book, and that book was called Your Brain on Porn by Gary Wilson. 
And obviously, as we know, the caveman didn't have access to Pornhub or Brazzers or these hidden fo- folders which he saved as tax returns and all these other things and gifts and pictures for when his internet was down. One of the studies which he talks about in the book was over the last 30 or so years that erectile dysfunction in young men in particular had grown by more than a thousand percent. I suppose a factor which does have to be considered is that pornography, as biologists describe, it is a super stimulant. There are groups out there now like no fap, no PMO, and these people are getting huge amounts of traction. They really resonate with their audience. When you think about pornography, I suppose this is an evolutionary short hack as, you know, clearly we're designed to have real sex with real people. I know that this is a very debated topic at the moment. So I'd love to know, Jack, I mean, what is your take on internet pornography? The unhealthy lifestyle leads to unhealthy outcomes and, and, and unsatisfactory outcomes. So if we don't eat the right foods, if we don't get the right sleep, if we don't get the right sunshine, if we have uh, an overburdens of stress, if we have an overburdens as we do of uh, chemical toxins uh, and environmental poisons uh, in our environment and getting into our bodies, well, all of these things will lead to heart attacks, strokes, cancer, erectile dysfunction, you name it. I think that, that, that there is a lot, a lot that has to go to that. Um, but again, are there, uh, sure, is society now becoming so closed behind, behind you, know, um, uh, you know, we've lost our, our personal connections Uh, Everything is a text message. Everything was a phone call. Now everything is a text message or an email or a social media post. So I guess I would say that if we've lost these interpersonal connections of uh, of a handshake, of a touch, of of feeling, of a hug, um, can that extend into the bedroom? Um, Yeah, I, I would say for sure. So, so do you think that we have lost the art of connection in this day and age? Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt we've lost that that art uh, of connection. It's just it's it's very common amongst the children, uh, certainly in the public schools. I mean, everybody's on their head headphones. Everybody's on their cell phones. Everybody's listening to their own music. Um, everybody's just spending time on social media. The, the children are so damaged. And, uh, you know, there's been movies uh, over the years. I think there was an actor, uh, uh, Clive Owen, who was, a, who was a British actor. And he was in a movie, and I forget the name of the movie, but it was basically all about how nobody, uh, there, there hadn't been a child born on planet Earth in 18 years because there's, uh, presumably, because there was such sickness uh, out there. And I think that, you know, fertility rates uh, are dropping. Uh, sexual dysfunction rates are rising. Uh, there's so many different factors that are involved. And, and it's really a scary time in, in society, you know, right now. Um, and uh, and hopefully things continue to change. I mean, that's what that's what my wife and I are always on the stump about. Uh, and that's how we are, are educating our, our children uh, as well. And and um, there was a, another movie I would suggest your listeners uh, view as well. Uh, not too late at night during the day or, you know, kind of in, the, in an early evening thing. And it's a movie called Captain Fantastic. It was absolutely phenomenal about a father trying to save his children from, you know, 21st century society. And studies done on happiness, the number one predictor wasn't money wasn't vacations or wasn't you know the job it was community you know it it does seem quite a bleak time it is very clear that social isolation markedly increases your risk of cardiovascular events Um, so being alone is a horrible, horrible thing. And people that, again, don't have good family support, don't have good support of friends, 
their rate uh, and risk of dying at an early age is much, much higher. And I think that maybe that is one area where social media actually can be beneficial in the sense that if you're part of a group and you are part of that, you, you feel like you're part of that group, and you are, and you are interactive, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter, and other people interact with you, then I think it may be the 21st century version of the pen pal, uh, where, where uh, you know, uh, Thomas Jefferson was communicating, you know, with the French, you know, by snail mail, and it was a little bit different. Uh, I, I think that there is value in that, and we do, we certainly desperately need to bring back those personal inner communications. Do you have any recommendations or any processes for maybe even just, you know, stay insane in this society to try to, you know, elevate yourself to at least give yourself a chance in, you know, in this, it does feel as if it is quite an isolated time. Do you have any advice or any uh, tips for that? Just do your best from a health standpoint. You know, always, you know, we personally, we always eat organic food, no GMOs, no pesticides. Uh, we get to sleep at the appropriate time. We spend time together as a family as much as possible. I'm a very hands-on father doing activities, you know, with my children, uh, with my wife. We we are very, very close-knit. We have, we have close friends that we keep close. Um, and then a lot of other, you know, people, once again, we, we, you know, if you're not, if you're not on, on board with us and what we're trying to create, then we really don't have any time for you. Um, and, and again, try and go to sleep better, try and get more sunshine, get outdoors and be more physically active, cultivate the good relationships, get rid of the bad ones. If you don't like your job, quit. I did. Let's delve back into the paleocardiologist. I've just got a few questions to ask you about this. Heart disease is obviously a major killer in adults. It's undoubtedly probably one of the four things that will kill probably 80% of the people. I feel as if the common pharmaceutical approach of perhaps keeping someone on drugs indefinitely is in some ways, you know, maybe normalized, what would be some of the best practices for living a healthy lifestyle, which aids prevention, which I know has been a major mission of yours, rather than having to focus on the cure and treating the symptoms? The answer is not pharmaceuticals, and it's not that the pharmaceuticals don't work according to their data. It's I think we can do better. So if you take, for example... Uh, cholesterol-lowering drugs as a class known as statin drugs. And let's just assume that their data is correct and their data says they can lower heart attack risk from 5% down to 4%. Well, who cares about that? Uh, you know, what I tell my people and the readers of my stuff is that I don't want your risk to be 5% or 4% chance of having a heart attack. I want you to be 0%. I know they don't offer that. I think that we can by, again, addressing the root causes of disease. What are the root causes? Again, it goes back to the food. It goes back to the sunshine, the sleep, the stress, the chemical toxins in our environment. It goes back to the physical activity. It goes back to the quality of the water that we drink. It goes back to good sexual health and sexual relationships. It goes into, into the technology that we talked about. It goes into love and, and laughter. It goes into getting out of the, the human rat race, if you will, where we are just all just go, 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 go. I want as much money. I want as much power as I could possibly accumulate. Um, and you do that until you're dead. And it's these days, it's becoming an earlier and earlier age. In terms of the toxins, would I be right in saying that the air pollution would be one? Well, certainly air pollution is one, but we often think about outdoor air pollution, but it's the indoor air pollution. It's the laundry detergent, fabric softener, dryer sheets, colognes, perfumes, uh, new paint, new flooring, new furniture, uh, candles that you're burning, 
we have to think about everything we bring into our lives. Is it is it unhealthy or not? And bring in the good stuff. And the good news is there's a lot of companies and manufacturers and uh, people that are that are providing us now with a lot of natural products that are a healthier way of living. We know outdoor air pollution uh, increases your risk of everything, and we're learning a lot more about indoor air pollution and the damage uh, that that does uh, as well. So uh, we want to keep our bodies healthy so we can try and detoxify uh, the outdoor chemicals, the indoor chemicals. I think another factor uh, that is really gaining a lot of attention now is mold, indoor mold, uh, and mold mycotoxins that are these uh, uh, compounds released from uh, mold, which is a type of, uh, in, in the fungus category, and the health ramifications, and I recently did a, a video that's up on our YouTube channel and it's up on our Facebook page, and it's all about mold and, and mold toxicity is one of the hidden causes of illness. So I think people need to you know, recognize that as a, as a problem or heavy metal toxicity is a problem. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things, again, as we get into the cause of illness. This is particularly of interest to me because looking at my family tree, heart disease is very, very prominent in my family. As looking back through the last uh, four generations, predominant in both sides quite worried for myself <laughs> do you think that avoiding the pharmaceuticals the best way to say naturally reverse it would be just to follow those steps that you talked about earlier just in terms of the lifestyle or is there another approach which you would use no i, I think those are the steps that are the most important but let me just address that kind of family history if you will um there was a movie uh, about 20 years ago with the the American actor Tom Hanks, and the movie was called Castaway. He worked for Federal Express. He is in a plane crash, and he winds up on the remote island all by himself with the volley, volleyball Wilson. If we all lived on that island, eating coconuts, fish, and avocados, going to sleep with the sun down, watching the sunrise, in and out of the sun all day long, in a chemical-free environment. And we talked about there's no tech and there's no Wi-Fi and there's no cellular <clears throat> and there's no power lines. There's no stress except for finding food and finding shelter. If we all lived on that island like Tom Hanks, we would live until we're 130. There's no bad genetics on that island. So I don't really believe in genetics. I believe that over millions of, of years, we've evolved on planet Earth. And you've got the sperm and the egg that come together and create a one-celled life form that becomes two and four and eight and 16 and 32 and so on and so forth until you have a beautiful baby. And that baby can... Uh, smell and feel and see and nurse and cry and pee and poop and do all the stuff that babies do. And that baby grows into a child and then an adult. Where do bad genetics come into the story that I just said? They don't exactly. Wow. They don't come into the story. Using genetics is a cop out. Because everybody ate the same garbage and lived the same garbage lifestyle as their parents and the generations before them. But I assure you, you take people with the worst family history. Now, listen, there are some genetic mutations. There are some very rare genetic inborn you know, diseases that people can get. But for 99.9% of the people that blame their health issues on genetics, if they lived on the island with Tom Hanks, they would be perfectly healthy. Are there any countries in the, in the world which you see are particularly doing well in terms of that lifestyle, which would be apt to live in there? Well, I think, you know, once again, if I was to choose to relocate, uh, if I were you and I was choosing to relocate, I would choose an area that is outside, um, uh, you know, way, far away from any big city. 
That's that. That's first and foremost. Get away from the pollution, uh, whether it's air pollution or electromagnetic pollution, uh, light pollution, you name it. Uh, stress of being in that environment. I would get as far away from a big city as possible. I would start there. And then you decide, do you want it to be a warm climate? Um, do you want it to be uh, a colder climate that still gets a lot of sunshine? I'm okay with that. Um, but those are the things that I would look towards. I would look towards uh, finding a community that really embraced the holistic lifestyle. So you had organic farms and pasture-raised animals and people that were already living the same lifestyle you were looking to create. So I've only been to London once. I would assume for me, London would be out. Los Angeles would be out. Uh, New York City, Chicago, uh, you know, uh, Paris, you know, uh, uh, on and on and on. Um, that's that's how I would do it. You are an author yourself. So I'd love to know, Jack, in the course of your life, what books have had an impact on you? Um, well, I mean, so outside of the medical books, uh, which are which are so many and so obvious um, books that I love, I love uh, the writings of uh, Anne Rand. I love the Fountainhead. I love Atlas Shrugged. Um, I am a big fan of Upton Sinclair's book, uh, The Jungle, from the early uh, early 20th century in the Chicago stockyards. Um, uh, I love another book I love is by uh, the late author Napoleon Hill called Outwitting the Devil, which is um, you know he wrote Think and Grow Rich, uh, which of course was a I mean I mean a phenomenon. Uh, but then his next book which was recently, was released about 10 years ago, it's called Outwitting the Devil, and it's about uh, essentially getting, uh, uh, getting, getting the things out of your life that interfere with what you truly need to do, okay? So for example, um, porn addiction would be something, that, that would be the devil's work, only in the sense, not really of the devil, the devil with a pitchfork, but metaphorically speaking, a pornography addiction takes you away from the real stuff that matter in life. That's my that's my opinion on that. But those are just some of the books that I would say that that really come to mind uh, that I've read over the years. And it's funny because I get asked this question all the time on different shows, and I'm kind of always a little bit stumped. But those are some of my some of my uh, favorites. You know, really just about freedom uh about about you know about freedom uh to to be healthy mentally physically uh financially i think all those are the things that i really uh gravitate towards do you have a challenge for us and for our audience that we could start today what would you challenge you know i mean once again it comes down to so many things uh, you know, we talked about them already that I think would be so easy to do, whether it's the sleep or the sun or the organic food. But I would also urge people to share this message. Like, don't be afraid to speak out. Speak your truth. Uh, there's a lot of avenues now to be able to speak that truth. And again, that's how we're going to win the day. Because the other side, the side of disinformation, the side of unhealthy information, they're not stopping. So we have to come just as strong from the side of health information, wellness information, and continue to always speak the truth, no matter what the consequences are. Has there been any rules, societal norms, societal conventions that you love to break? Uh, well, I mean, I think there's been a lot of them and I've been all over the news, uh, you know, media. I've been on CNN. I've been in the Washington Post. I've been on all the local stations uh, here in the United States. And I think a lot of my opinions are very controversial. And once again, I'm not afraid of telling people my opinions um, you know, again, this is how this is how we're going to change the world by by getting out there, you know, putting out our message. Uh, there's, you know, the, of course, the famous Internet platform, Pinterest. We've been pick, uh, kicked off Pinterest. 
We've had an account kicked off of Vimeo. We've gotten flagged and warnings on Facebook. Um, I've had death threats to the office. I've had complaints to my medical board. Uh, I've been I've been through the fire. I've been through the fire, and I'm still standing. I'm stronger than ever. So is my wife. And um, you know, we're you know, why, why do we do this? Am I doing this to be famous? Am I doing this uh, for money? I, you know, I I do it for the children. I do it for my family. I do it for your family. We do it for everybody's family. That's how the revolution's going to happen. Imagine a scenario in which every person was hypothetically tuned in to the same frequency and you could give a short but impactful message based on your truth to the world. What would Jack Wolfson's message to the world be? The world is definitely not how we see it. And and there are an infinite possibilities as how it really is. <clears throat> and uh, our interpretation of the world and what we see, uh, again, may uh, and is is may not be the reality. And I know, I don't want to be a little bit too obtuse, um, uh, you know, with this. Uh, but the reality is is that um, I think that there are, we, we've we've trusted the government authorities, we've trusted the health authorities. We've certainly trusted financial authorities, and the, none of them have our best interest at hand. And the the powers that rule the world, again, do not have our our interest uh, as part of their concern. And I think once people wake up to the fact that what they see on television is just a sham, and what they see around the world. Uh, is full of untruths. The more people wake up to that and step out of the matrix that people are living in, and again, wake up to their ordinary mundane lives and try and become something greater for all of humanity, that's where I think that, again, we are going to really make the world a better place for our children because the way it's going right now, it's going it's going down very quickly. Jack, where can our Freedom Pack family connect with you? Uh, come on over and see us over at the doctorswolfson.com. Again, Doctors is abbreviated DRS. That's the home for my wife and I's website. My book is called The Paleocardiologist, uh, The Natural Way to Heart Health, available on Amazon uh, for digital download as well. Uh, audible book and then also uh, I have a new Facebook group that I started called Natural Heart Doctor so if any of your audience is specifically interested in natural heart health information ask to join our group at Natural Heart Doctor such a, a fascinating a thought provoking and actionable conversation I cannot thank you enough for coming on to the show you got it my friend thank you